I'm Gabrielle Roberts, and I'm joined by my co-host Ariana Roberts, and you're listening to Arcana Imperii. Today we'll be interviewing Dion Irish, who is the Boston Commissioner of Elections. Mr. Irish has served Boston for 22 years and has his bachelor's and master's degree from Boston University. Mr. Irish was executive director of Boston's Office of Civil Rights and the Office of Fair Housing and Equity. Since 2015, Mayor Walsh appointed Mr. Irish Commissioner of Elections, where he has sought to advance democracy and increase access for voters and ensure fair and free elections in Massachusetts. Hello, this is Ariana and Gabrielle, uh, Arcana Imperii. Thank you for coming on to the show and taking your time to answer our questions. You're welcome. You, you guys have done some research. You're doing good work, and I wanted to be able to help out. Thank you. So how did you get where you are now? What made you want to do this kind of work? I began working as a housing inspector in the city of Boston in 1995 on my way to law school, but I fell in love with public service and realized how important it was to, to have people who are passionate about public service. And it's led me to many different opportunities in a 23-year career, and currently serving as the commissioner of the election department. Uh, comes by way of an appointment by Mayor uh, Walsh, and Mayor Walsh asked me to use my experience in managing city agencies to run this department and ensure that we're doing all that we can to have smooth, um, open elections and to advance um, the cause in terms of getting folks involved in our local democracy, um, registering to vote and participating in all elections. So do you think the danger of elections being hacked is that it will change the results of the election or change people's confidence in the election? I think both. I think a major concern of ours is to ensure that public that the public doesn't lose confidence, because that's almost as important as the, not having any interference at all in an election. So things. Uh, so when we think about securing our elections, we, we think about not only ensuring that there's no interference with our voting equipment and that our results are accurate, we're also very much concerned about what people see and hear, what they see on our website, what messages they may get on our social media accounts, all those things are part and parcel to ensuring that there is that public confidence and that that goes along with the fact that we do have a secure election system in, in the city of Boston. Should Election Day be a national holiday and why isn't it? That's a very interesting question. I, I think Election Day, as a lot of things in life, is worth us always asking why, why is it the way it is and not just accepting the fact that it's, it's always been a Tuesday. Uh, in some cases, it has been on a Thursday, but we should be exploring um, ways to, to ensure that folks can participate fully. Uh, the history of the Tuesday election day was a collective community uh, conversation about what is the best day that's most convenient for most people to be able to participate, and they arrived on the day of Tuesday when we were largely an agricultural community. With all the, the um, changes in, in, in um, commerce and in, in work schedules, I think it is worth looking to see if we can increase participation by having an election on a holiday or making an election day a holiday or just looking at other ways 
um, to make participation easier. How are we protecting the upcoming midterm elections to ensure that people can believe in the integrity of the election? What we're doing and what we're going to continue to do is to have a secure process from beginning to end. So we were always testing our equipment to ensure it's accurate. Our, our voting machines are not connected to the in internet, so they're best practice in that regard. We still use paper ballots in Massachusetts, which is also best practice that allows us to do audits and, um, and, and uh, after the fact. We also maintain a very strong chain of custody of our voting equipment and our ballots. They're always delivered by a Boston police officer to and from each precinct, and they're um, supervised by an officer throughout the entire day. And in addition to that, we're securing, we secure our website at all times, but our uh, focus is heightened around election time when we have a team of folks who are monitoring traffic and, and making sure that everything goes smoothly on election night and election day. So do you think a paper audit, audit trail would be a requirement to trust election results? I think a paper audit trail is very helpful. Um, and it, it, it increases the security of an election. Election in itself is somewhat a, a black box where there's um, things that the public doesn't get to see. So if, there are any, if there's any question about the results or if there's a close race that we need to recount on, we can, it's, it's always confident to know that we can go back to the paper ballots and retabulate to ensure that we had an accurate outcome. Um, there were several cases of Russian cyber spies gaining access to voter registration files. Why would they do this? What could they do with this access? There are many ways to interfere with an election beyond hacking into voting equipment. One is to hack into voter registration files and, and delete voters so that when they show up on election day, their names are not on the list. That's why we have one of the most secure systems that you can find in Massachusetts. Our system is not internet-based. It's a closed-off system that requires hardwired access from every community that participates in this centrally managed database that's managed by the Secretary of State. Why do you think um, the Russians would try to gain access to voter registration files? Access to voter registration files could be extremely disruptive to an election. That, uh, the voter registration file is what um, each community uses to verify who's actually a voter and who's not a voter. And so on election day, when you show up to vote, there is a list of, of folks who are eligible to vote at that precinct that's based on that voter registration file. So if a file, if a database is wiped out or manipulated, it does have a serious impact on an election. So is election hacking similar to voter suppression, like, for example, closing polling places in certain areas or consolidating polling places to increase the time it takes to vote or making it more difficult to vote for only some areas. The election hacking and, and the threat of election hacking can have a dampening effect similar to voter suppression because it, it could result in folks losing confidence that their vote will actually count and, and that they can have the outcome on an election that we promised them that they, they would have. So that is our concern to not only ensure that we have a secure system, but also to communicate with the public so that they are confident in the process and encouraged to participate in. Is there a concern not just 
of hacking to change totals, but of distribution events such as utility outages or purging voter registrations to subtly influence the election? Pur purging voters, uh, some of what I've said before about attacking the voter registration database would have a, a serious impact on the election because it would affect folks who are eligible to vote and, and render them to be non-eligible uh, and create confusion. So there are um, a number of non-governmental organizations that monitor elections in developing world countries to help ensure free and fair elections. Have we reached a point where we might need these groups to monitor and help watch our elections in the USA? I think that it's absolutely something that should happen for all elections, irrespective of the current heightened attention on election hacking. Having observers and, and, and many eyes on the process helps us all to ensure that, that we have a, a fair and accurate process um, at every polling place and that any errors are being caught. And it also increases public confidence when you have independent um, verifiers who are looking at the process and, and assuring folks that it, it is legitimate and it is fair. Many of the ways protecting our elections are with defensive measures, so stronger locks on the doors. So what about deterrence? A Deter Act, S-2785, would, among other things, grant the Director of National Intelligence the power to use national security tools, such as sanctions, if Kremlin interferes in another American election. The logic of this bill is a straightforward application of deterrence theory. Deterrence employs a credible threat of retaliation in order to preemptively dissuade an adversary from taking actions. Should we have more in terms of our own cyber arsenal to attack in retaliation? I think we should use every tool available in our toolbox. And if there are tools that are missing, then, then we should develop those tools and add them to our arsenal to protect our, the security of our elections, which is the foundation of our democracy. It's a, it's a core function of our democracy that we are a government that's of the people that's voted in by the people. So we need to take every step that's necessary to not only be proactive in defending our democracy, but also you know, to, to, be, to, to make sure that if someone does interfere, that there is a severe consequence for interfering with our election. So what keeps you up at night when you think about election security? What is your worst case nightmare? There are many things that keep you up at night in the election administration work. World and, and what we do is uh, we, we try to have as much redundancy as possible and as many layers as possible. Uh, we understand that there are many things that um, can affect an election, that um, we, we have databases and computers that, that we need to be operational for us to properly administer an election. So we're, we're taking steps to make sure our staff is trained and we've implemented two-factor authentication to add additional security levels to to our operations here, but I think the number one thing that would concern me is somehow if there were some ability for someone to interfere with our voting equipment, but I'm very confident that they're unable to do so because of the equipment that we use and the steps that we take. And the other thing that would concern me is interference with our voter registration database, which I'm also very confident about systems that we have in place so what we so I, I really can't point out one particular thing that would keep me up at night because I, I think election security falls in line with all the other things that we're thinking of 
and prepare for an election to make sure that things go smoothly and we have an accurate election. So do you think a election could be so influenced uh, by cyber attacks that it could change the result of the election so badly that a redo would be necessary? Theoretically, that, that is possible. I really cannot see how that could happen in Massachusetts or in the city of Boston. I, I think the bigger threat, and this probably goes back to the question you asked me previously, is misinformation that can be put out through channels that we are unable to control that that could affect public confidence and affect uh, and suppress voter participation on election day. So what is on like a kind of national level, what do you think are biggest concern for cyber attacks, cyber attacks influencing our election? What do you think it would be? I think our biggest concern is the spread of propaganda and misinformation relative to elections. Um, information that may come through social media channels or, or other venues now that are commonly being used for information that could give people the wrong date or the wrong location or bad uh, information that forces them or encourages them to vote for or against uh, particular candidates. I, I think those type of influences are much more difficult for us to control and should be at the forefront of our minds. So um, what are some of the best ways to fight against cyber attacks? The best ways are have, having a closed voting system with a, a paper bait based ballot so that they could be audited and checking out of that to uh, ensuring that vendors who are involved in security um, in, in elections are running background checks on their employees and they also have meet the same security standards that we have for ourselves and ensuring that we're, we're thinking about how we communicate with voters and to make sure that those channels are also secure and protected as well as protecting our voter registration databases and our websites that we're using to share election results. Um, so in the 2018 midterms, what will you be doing to keep the elections more safe in a way? Well, we've formed a election security team here internally, which is something you know, we've always worked along with other departments to make our elections secure. Departments such as the Boston Police Department, for example. But in with this heightened um, concern about hacking, we now have a team that's comprised of our IT department, our Office of Emergency Management, and the Election Department, where we, we do thorough tests of all of our vulnerabilities and ensure that we're taking the steps to, to mitigate those vulnerabilities. So those are the things that we're doing to make it even safer than it is now uh, to vote in the city of Boston. Uh, why do you think cyber security is such an issue now versus before in the past? Most of, much of the concern about voting was um, someone voting twice. Now with the advent of technology and the advancements in technology and uh, communities going to all electronic voting, there is a greater concern that if someone were to hack into those systems, they could alter people's choices. That is one of the main reasons why there is so much concern about election hacking, but also because of the recent attempt, attempts um, that have been reported uh, by foreign powers that they have not only tried to hack into voting systems and, and databases, but they've also created
created propaganda channels and uh, using social media to influence voters and thereby influencing our election. So you mentioned social media a lot. So do you think social media um, is a big threat to... Yes. And I think the major social media companies have become more aware of that. And if in recent news, they've been being more vigilant. They've, they've been searching their, their roles, so to speak, and identifying fraudulent actors that have seemed to have just been established for the purpose of influencing voters and voting. And they've removed those, those accounts from, from their, um, their channels. But in the age where folks are relying less and less on a printed newspaper for information, and a generation of folks who are no longer watching television to get information, they're increasingly relying on social media and on the internet for information. Mm-hmm. And that makes it much more difficult for us to control, but I believe it's something that we can do a better job of now that we have more awareness that this is another point of, of entry or a point of attack that we need to pay attention to. Well, thank you so much for your time coming on to the podcast. Um, Thank you for talking about Hopefully I gave you something useful that you could edit and make it sound good. No, that was really a lot of good information to use. Yes, thank you so much for coming on, taking the time to talk to us. Um, Student listeners would be very interested. So...